So this morning, I want to share with you something that God's been dealing with me on. So, I, you know, the scriptures, when it comes to me, and even this morning as I was praying, I said, you know, I'm, I'm learning more and more as every day goes by. I'm understanding the gifts that God's placed in me and my purpose in life. I've been walking with the Lord since I was 20 years old, and I've never stepped back from that relationship. So I'm 47 years old now. I'm not ashamed to say how old I am. I've, you know, my oldest is 27, my youngest is 16, and I'm feeling pretty good, y'all. I'm coming into 50s in style like a queenager. So we're all right. So I am grateful for the 27 years that Jesus has, has allowed me to walk with him. I just wish that I knew him from birth. I do. Um, I'm just grateful, y'all. And when I, when I think about how he's allowed me to walk with him, I couldn't do that without the body of Christ. I couldn't do it without the body. So this subject, it's near and dear to me. It's a subject of unity. Um, the, Bible, or the dictionary describes unity as being in the state or quality of being made one. Back in, and, and just, I was just debating, you know, and what I said in prayer this morning with my call, I said, God, I don't desire to be a powerful woman of God. I don't. I desire to be known for being a loving woman of God. One that loves your people well. So that's my heart. And uh, as I was thinking back, I was like, okay, I got to open this up this morning with you. So laughter is always good because it, it places us together. Um, and then the other thing, it's, you know, like Anne says, it's like telling on yourself. So this story, it is, I, and, and I was so ashamed of this, and I, I was debating whether to share it in this service, and I felt inclined to share it again. So back when I was 24 years old, I worked at the bank. I always thought that I would be a banker. I loved it. You know, I was great at putting people into debt. Great at it. I can sell it. I was great at it. Not just good, great. And then I started having a conviction on the inside of me that putting people in a debt is not God's best. But I didn't listen to that. Instead, I pursued management at the bank. And then they started, you know, these, these grocery store banks and these retail store banks. It's called in-store banking. So that vein came out when I was in banking. So this was, you know, I was 24 years old. And, and there was just... I was good at what I was doing. So what was promised to me at a news store was that, Mira, when we open that store, you're going to be manager. And I thought, well, all right, 24 years old, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, money back then is not the same now. I'm making good money. And I thought, well, okay. So then they hired in this, this um, she was older than me, but she had a degree right out of college, and they put her into the bank that they had promised me. So I felt slap, slap, and I thought, they lied to me. You know, the minute I started griping about my job, I should have gotten out of the job, but I didn't. I griped and I stayed, and what it ended up costing me was my job. It's the only job I've ever lost. I'll never lose another job because I learned how to honor. God taught me a really hard lesson because I uncovered the one that was an authority over me. I brought disunity in the branch. In fact, that branch, every person that worked in that branch lost their job. Because, you know, there were some things happening with the management that they had chosen and things that they were doing that they shouldn't have done. And instead of me trying to go to them and cover her, I uncovered her. See? And I uncovered her in a way that I allowed other people to talk about her. And I, I didn't do right by the Lord. So the minute that I was questioned, I left there and I started crying. I said, God, I have done wrong. 
and I deserve everything that's coming to me. Just help me to never uncover another person and never cause division where I'm at. And I have held on to that, so this subject is near and dear to my heart. It's a subject on unity. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, in the J.B. Phillips translation, teaches us that Paul, he's talking, he says, as God's prisoner, this is Paul, then I beg you to live lives worthy of your high calling. We've got a high calling. Accept life with humility and with patience, making allowances for each other because you love each other. Make it your aim to be one in the spirit, and you will inevitably be at peace with one another. You all belong to one body of which there is one spirit, just as you all experienced one calling to one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of us all, who is the one over all, the one working through all, and the one living in all. God is alive in you, and he's alive in me. In fact, every person, Cameron was saying, every person that breathes, God is alive on the inside of them. And for that reason, and that reason only, we give honor unto men as unto God. Hear me again. For that reason, that the very Ruach breath of God is alive in you, it's the reason that I honor you because Father is alive in you, whether you're saved or unsaved. Okay? So if we live like that, life begins to take a different meaning. And we will look at each other differently. We will honor each other as unto the Lord. The Amplified Classic in verse 3 says, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and to keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by, so you see, oneness and harmony is produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. God's peace is on us. So one of Jesus' prayers during his very last moments comes, it's the longest prayer that Jesus has prayed in the New Testament for us. It's in John 17, verses 20 through 23. Um, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, I do not pray for these alone because the disciples were with him in this hour, but also for those who will believe in me through the disciples' their word, their testimony, that they may all be one. So Jesus is praying not only the disciples, but you and I to come that we would all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you, Father, you sent me, and that the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. God's given us his glory. He's given to us. That they may be one, but we got to be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. Right? Um, in them, verse 23, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and that you have loved me, Father, as, or you have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus is saying that he wants Father to be in us, just like Father was in him in fullness. He is saying that he wants Father to love us the same way that Father loves him. Do we want others to be loved? Like if we have like children in here, have you wanted your mom to love you just as much as she loves your brother and sister, or dad to love you like he loves brother and sister, or love them like he's loved you. See what Jesus is praying? 
God gave Jesus all glory and all honor. He says, come. You know, God says, my glory I'll give to no other. But then he says to Jesus, come and have the seed of glory and honor. And it's the same kind of love that Jesus is saying that he wants God to have for you, that you too will have that glory, that you too will be honored in this life and in the life to come. That's some big stuff, guys. Think about that for a minute. That's some big stuff. That's stuff that we got to shout about, that Jesus wants us to have the same kind of acknowledgement. Come on now. That's huge. See that? It's huge. So why did he pray this way? Right there in verse 23, he says, if this happens, then it will be evident that you have sent me, Father. Jesus is saying, if we learn how to walk in oneness in the spirit, that the world will see that, oh, how they love each other, then God is real because God is love. All right. God is love. So what is unity? So I've mentioned before, unity is being made into something that is single. It's like taking all of the ingredients. So I love to cook. My kids love to cook. We love to bake. So have you ever tried cocoa powder by itself? I've seen those videos where they give babies like cocoa powder and they taste it and they're spinning it out. Have you ever tried cocoa powder? Have you ever tried like 100% pure like cocoa? They call it cacao. You know, those bars of chocolate. Have you tried that and really loved it? It's disgusting. It's just, blah. It's disgusting. But if you take cocoa, pure cocoa, and you add sugar and eggs and butter, right? You add an emulsifier in there, and you mix it up with flour, we get cake. We get something that tastes good, if you like chocolate, okay? So some people don't like chocolate. Well, take whatever, just lemons. If you just take a lemon and suck on a lemon, it's not just real good by itself, right? Not for everybody. But you start adding stuff to it, then it becomes a whole and it becomes better. Same way in the example for, for the guys in here. So that's a girly thing. The guys in here for cars. If you like cars, can your cars run without a spark plug? How many of you know what a spark plug is? How many of you all, how, how many of you all have never seen a spark plug? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Right, because it's not something that you think about. You know, sister, when we think about it is when the car hits about 100,000 miles and it won't start. But in order to keep that car running at 100,000 miles, you got to service it. But one of the smallest components in an automobile is a spark plug. Nobody ever sees it. You've never probably heard of it if you're not into cars. But without there, without that spark plug, there's no strike to get that gasoline moving into the engine. It's absolutely 100% necessary. Your car will not run without a spark plug. So it's the same way. That's what I'm talking about unity. It's taking something that is essential with something else that's essential. It might be a hundred different parts, okay? If we got 177 people sitting in here right now, it takes all of us to say that we are starting to look like something Jesus wants us to look like. We will never see the image of God. I believe that every person is a part of that puzzle until we're all together and then we'll see what God looks like. Can't see him apart from each other. Promise you, that he doesn't look like me. His love might feel like my love when I care for you well. That's how he cares for us. But he desires that we become one, right? Not like a cake or a car, but one in the body with each other, okay? So um, as we talk about these analogies that I'm giving you, just to give us a small glimpse of these objects, 
when they're unified, what can happen? In 1 Corinthians 12, in fact, the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is really encouraging us that we are all so different, so unique, but we're all much needed. Can you imagine if you were just one big old liver? One big old kidney. You didn't have eyes, you didn't have hands, or oh, I just had like my shoulders with no... How difficult would it be for me to move? And it's the same way when you are not here, beloved, or wherever it is that God has placed you in the body of Christ, when you are absent, we are deficient. We are lacking something. See, this is the honor that we must give to each other, is that I'm going to look at Betty and say, I am serving Jesus and Betty. And when Betty is not here, Betty, something's missing. I miss you when you're not here. Because you bring something that I don't have. Every person, every one of you all are essential to this service. Everyone. Because you all are encouragement to each other. You're iron to each other. And when you are not present, your gift is missing. Your gift is needed in the house. Okay? Not to do, you're needed for each other. You were made to represent God to each other. You were made to honor each other as unto the Lord. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to each other in the fear of God. When I look at you, it's not to cut you down or measure you up to some standard. It's saying that, you know what? God is in Sam, and I'm going to love Sam. Right? Regardless of what Sam does, God is in Sam, and I'm going to trust God in Sam. Not Sam. I trust God in you, Sam. Okay, and that's what God is calling us to. And this is where I'm headed to with this message. All right, so we are many members, yet we're still one body. And if you are missing Renee, I'm missing something in my life. I'm incomplete without you. So what unity is? So there are some words that are used in conjunction with the word unity. Um, One of those words is uniformity. So uniformity is something that is identical or consistent in every way. Like a uniform, school uniforms, all of them, the pleats are made the same way, the pants are the same way. You know, I use an example of nails, like in a box or screws in a box. When you go to the store and you buy a set of hardware screws for drywall, you are trusting that every screw in there is the same thing. If one's different, then something can be off. That's uniformity. And the other word that's used in conjunction with unity is Um, unanimity. And this is a state of being of the same agreement or the same opinion and having consensus. Do we all agree on everything? Do we all agree on everything? But what is the goal? Is it that we all agree on something or we move forward to all complete an end picture? Right? We're all trying to get that cake made. (laughs) Okay? We're all trying to get to those gates. We are. And we're trying to take people with us. We're not trying to do that alone. Um, so as we look at these words, we can surmise that uniformity is centered, right, um, on appearances, on things being the same. Unanimity is centered on things being of the same opinion. But unity, unity is centered on being in one accord or in harmony with each other. It's very different. Okay, I would say that it is the utmost importance to the Father that we seek after and we pursue unity. Not uniformity, not unanimity, but unity is what we're after. Okay, unity never takes away from your individuality. It doesn't. It doesn't change me because I I want to do something alongside Joshua and help him. 
Joshua has, you know, we've got the outreach today. Joshua's leading this project. I'm not trying to go in there and be the boss of that. I'm trying to go alongside and help him. It doesn't mean I'm going to see things the same way as he sees things. All it means is that we want the same desired end result. And I'm going to go submit unto that and serve. Are you with me? Make sense? So God is the perfect example of what unity should be or what it is. He is a triune God, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each role is inseparable, yet each is very distinct, and they all work in perfect unison. Augustine of Hippo, so this is a quote from the book on, or from his theology teaching on Christian doctrine. Um, it is not easy to find a name that will suitably express so great an excellence. He's talking about unity. Unless it is better to speak it in this way. The Trinity, one God, of whom are all things, through whom are all things, in whom are all things. Thus the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and each of these by himself is God. And at, at the same time are all one God, and each of them by himself is a complete substance, a complete entity. And yet they are all one substance. The Father is not the Son, nor the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not the Father, or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, nor the Son. But the Father is only Father. Jesus, the Son, it's only Jesus. He is the only Son. And the Holy Spirit is the only Holy Spirit. To all three belong the same eternity, the same unchangeableness, the same majesty, and the same power, the same um, same majesty, same power. In the Father is unity, in the Son, equality, in the Holy Spirit, the harmony of unity and equality. All of it is in the Holy Spirit. And these three attributes are all one because of the Father, are all equal because of Jesus the Son, and are all harmonious because of the Holy Spirit. And who's in us? Who's in us? By the power of what? The Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. So we are called to this harmony, and we are called to this living. So the mark has been set by Jesus. Remember I said in John 17, it's the longest prayer that Jesus prayed. And this is the last prayer that he prayed right before his crucifixion, right before the hour of his passion, where he was going to be taken um, at the Garden of Gethsemane. So in his last moments with his disciples, in this one passage of scripture, we read again that he is praying about us, the ones that are going to come. And he says, you know, I don't pray for just my disciples who are here with me, Peter, John, and all the rest of them. I'm not praying for just them, Father. Also for all who will believe in me through their testimony, their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, right? Jesus is expressing here his deep and his most sincere desire his last wish, so to speak. It's his last wish. This is his longest prayer. Last wish that we, you and I, become one. That we become one like he is one with the Father. This is enormous. And for me, it is really incomprehensible um, to my natural mind. And then to make the standard all the more richer, 
Jesus establishes and he gives us a reason that he wants us to be this way so that the world would know, so that there would be evidence when we are no longer here. Oh my goodness, look how they loved each other. God must be real. All love is established in God. You know, and and the way that I look at this, you know, um, I'm feeling you all in the room. You know, and I hear people tell me, well, you know, I, listen, Scripture says God's called us to be at peace as much as it's possible with us. Sometimes it's not going to be possible for us to keep peace. But that doesn't mean that we run away from relationship and don't give it our best. Okay? Because the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. Because why? Why did Jesus call blessed are the peacemakers? Because the peacemakers are the daughters and the sons of God. Okay, so when somebody doesn't receive Mira's love, here's how I deal with that. I'm going to treat you with kindness, and sometimes you're going to misunderstand why I probably don't have the time to spend with you, why I might walk past you, like if I haven't seen you, maybe because I really haven't seen you. You know, some people's, their gift of discernment really is the gift of suspicion. And the most offended people in the body of Christ are those with that gift of discernment, their suspicious gift. Because we become so suspicious of the thoughts of each other. This is not what Christ has called us to. So when you deny me your love, and you deny me from loving you, the way that I'm just going to tell you on myself, the way that I deal with it is you're rejecting Christ in me. Because God is love. Mira in herself, I am not love. There's one that's love, God. So if you refuse my love, you're refusing him. God be the judge between you and that. That's how we deal with it. It's going to keep our hearts pure, beloved. It's going to keep our hearts pure. So the church, our unity, right? So Jesus, his, the, the rich, sincere desire of Christ is that we would be one so that the world would know that Jesus was sent and God is truly loved. The church, our unity, is intended to be an example of the unity expressed in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can't tell one apart from the other. This is how it should be in church life. We can't tell, you know, what you prefer over what I prefer. It's just that, hey, we all believe in the one God. This is why the world is lost, beloved, and Christ is not back yet. Because everyone that's looking at the church, it's, you know what they call us? The, the, the biggest word that they call us is that H word. What is it? Hypocrites. We've said it about each other. Why are we talking about each other? And why are we giving them such a bad example of what Christian love should be? Because we talk one way and we do something else outside the presence of each other. This is why I said, if you're missing, I'm missing something. We are meant to be a reflection, a reminder of who God has called us to be in the body of Christ. I cannot be reminded of who I'm called to be if Tina is not around me, if Anne is not around me. They, you know, this week, Anne had a, a word for me, and I listened. She exhorted me. She encouraged me. She said, hey, Mira, this is your gift, and you've got this gift. And I was like, listen, she said, but don't fail to recognize that the gift comes from God. Point received. Well received. Thank you, my sister. I cannot be reminded of who I am in Christ if I have no one to remind me. So when we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, listen, your deepest fellowship is right here in this room. It is the ones that you're learning about God alongside. It's not with people who are lost. You're supposed to influence them, but you don't learn from them. You do not. That's not in the Bible. 
As iron sharpens iron, you want someone just as sharp as you. And if you're not sharp, you better start getting around some sharp people. So different from first service. All right. So each member, we belong to each other. Okay? We belong to each other. Um, So our relationships, right? So we're talking about the mark has been set. Now let's look at our relationships. Philippians 2, verse 1 through 4, Passion Translation. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. This is Paul talking to the church. Um, And he said, you are filled with the overflowing, with his comforting love, with Christ, the Holy Spirit, the comforting love of God. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affections and his mercies. And here's the one that I'm, I'm pointing at, verse 2. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity, with one heart, with one passion, united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose that you will fill my heart with unbounding joy. So it's like their pastor saying, when you behave, like Pastor Mitch is gone, he's not worried about us like dividing because he knows how I am. And he knows and trusts how the team is. Everyone who's on our staff team. We are one. We are one. We're very different. We don't always agree on everything, but our goal is one. And listen, my responsibility here as the executive pastor is to always keep pastor's vision in front of our team. Here's where we're headed, guys. We're going in the same direction. Let's guard our hearts. No griping, no mumbling, no complaining. We're all in this together. So we keep our hearts like that. And we're very free in how we talk with each other. We don't talk about each other. We don't do that. We don't cut each other down. In fact, if you come to me and say, hey, you know, I can't, you know, I'm concerned about something that Ann's going to do. Chances are I'm going to pull you and Ann in together and have you talk about what you're concerned about in front of Ann. Don't talk to me about my team. I've had people to come and say, hey, you know, I I saw so-and-so doing that. I said, you know what? Great. But I know him. Know you too. Let's all come together. And the person left the church. This is how we handle anything that comes to sow division. We keep everything above board. Then there's no division to worry about. So pastor's not worried about us dividing right now. He knows that we're going to come together in the spirit. Right? And thank you, sir, for trusting me with that. Okay? So we, so he, so this is what Paul's saying. My joy is full because you all are following this. Pastor's joy is full that we're coming together. But whose joy is even to the fullest? It's God's. Because we're honoring each other as unto the Lord. Make sense? So how are we walking with other believers? Are we quick to take offense? Are we quick to believe the worst of another's intentions? Are we cold, aloof, sarcastic, hard, rude with each other? Um, When we find that someone doesn't do what we expect them to do, do we criticize and condemn them? My circle has no critical people in my circle. I don't like criticalness. That's an attribute in people that I just avoid and people who are always quick to condemn others. I just don't like it because I guard my heart. I don't want to be held accountable on that day when I stand before the Lord. I don't want him to accuse me of saying something and not living it. So I avoid criticisms from people. Like if you know you want to gripe and complain, I'm thinking you're going to stay in the desert for 40 more years. So I run from that. 
See, the people of Israel, they stayed in the wilderness because they were griping and complaining. We don't want that to be found among us. How are we with each other? How are we with our Christian relationship? Um, you know, there was a time that, uh, and I did this in front of a new believer, and I'm so sorry about it, guys. Like, I am learning. This is where I'm at. So I'm not preaching at you or trying to teach you something. I'm trying to encourage myself here. Okay, this word is, I'm so aware that God's testing me on this word. So in front of a new believer, they were talking about this pastor that they were listening to, and I didn't quite, you know, I was like, I was suspect, that spirit of discernment, I was suspect of this pastor. But this pastor is reaching millions of people. I am not. And the Holy Spirit, when I said that, that person looked at me, he said, you know, that's a problem with all you Christians who've been Christians for a long time. You think that you got it figured out. But when, by the time he said that, I fell to my knees in tears, repenting. Because the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me the minute it came out of my mouth. And I said, Father, forgive me. Who am I to judge another man's ministry? We are not supposed to be separated. You know, we're not. And I repented. To bring an accusation about somebody else's ministry, God will hold you accountable for. He will judge you for it. He judged me for it. I repented. I don't do that. Instead, what the Holy Spirit said, Mira, why don't you pray for him that he doesn't bring a reproach? So I pray for that man's ministry. I do. You know, one of the greatest experiences in my whole life that I've ever had was in 2010, I went to a children's pastor's conference at the, um, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. It was like amazing. There's like a mall in this hotel, like really fancy. But we get to this room and, you know, and these people are just fancy with all their cowboy boots and stuff. And that's where I started liking cowboy boots it was because of my experience there. But we go in there and I walk into the room and I didn't really know what to expect. This is my first church big conference. And I walk into that room and there's over a thousand people in this conference room. And I go in there and I'm like, wow, you know, everybody loves Jesus. And I'm feeling everybody loves Jesus. And then I take my seat across at the table and I realize that there's an Episcopalian in front of me. There's a Methodist over there. There's some Baptists over here. There's Catholics over here. And I'm sitting in there. And when we start to worship all about how we love Jesus, because it's all kids and we're doing some kids' worship songs, the presence of God fell into that room. And I thought, God, how precious this is. Forgive me for any judgments I've had. If people love Jesus, let them love Jesus, and God's going to work out the rest. We are not called to judge them. We are called to love one another as Christ loved the church, right? That we lay down our lives, meaning our own what we want. That's what that means. What I want to say, hey, I'm going to do something that benefits you, Cameron. That's what the Lord's called us to, all right? Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. This is one of the toughest scriptures in the Bible. Passion Translation says there are six evils that God truly hates, and the seventh, that is an abomination to him. He says, putting others down while considering yourself superior is an attitude that he hates. Spreading lies and rumors, God hates it. Spilling of innocent blood, or spilling of the blood of the innocent, God hates it. Yes, he hates it. Plotting evil in your heart towards one another, he hates it. Gloating, you know, um, Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong, like you do wrong and you put it in the face of everybody else. Social media is a place for that if I've ever seen it right now. And as church people, God hates that. 
Here's the one thing, spouting lies in false testimony. He hates the lying. But stirring up strife between friends. So when you go back to the old version of how this was written, it says that God hates the one, the one, not the act of it, that, sto- that stirs up division amongst his people. You know, the, one of the, my closest friends, I've been friends with her now for 28 years, 27 years, going on 28. And, um, and I love her dearly. You know, they went through a church hurt, and her husband was in the position that I'm in here. So right next to the, you know, he's pastor, executive pastor. So that was his position. And they dismissed him. Truly, it, it was... Um, it was wrong. Everything about it was wrong. So they can't drop that anywhere. So I went and ministered and just loved, loved her through that, his wife. And she was also dismissed as, you know, part of the church board, treasurer. Like, I mean, it was bad, y'all. It was so hurtful. I cried with her. I, I said, listen. And here's the warning. As we prayed, and I had to obey the Holy Spirit, I said, I love you. May it never come out of your mouth to any member of that church what has happened. And she just looked at I said, you can't. Don't be the one that God hates. You're not that. When people ask, say, hey, we've just, we're just doing something different. God bless you. We miss you. And keep going. Let the Lord work it out. And he always does. But don't be the one to cause that division. All right, the word says it right here. So that was Proverbs 6. Discord is the lack of harmony. It is strife. Scripture teaches us that where there's strife, in James 3.16, every evil demonic work is at play. You want a bunch of demons following you if you want to stir up strife. Don't be a troublemaker. Be a God's son and daughter peacemaker. Right, Galatians 5.19. So I'm taking this to heart. When I listen to that, you know, like what I did at the bank, God was not liking Mira. You know, in fact, he was hating it. He was hating me. That's how I felt. God, you hate me. I got on my knees and I repented. I've never done that again. If I get disgruntled with a job, guess what I'm trying to do? Not talk about my job. I'm leaving. I'm going to put in a notice and I'm going to find a different job. Because God, I'm not going to be a part of sowing strife. I won't. I guard that too hard, guys. I learned a hard lesson. And I'm glad I was just 24 years old. See, if I was walking with Jesus from birth, I probably would have just, like, you know, just didn't want to mess up. I'm real black and white when it comes to the word. Imperfect, but just very, I, I want to please the Lord. Um, so Galatians 5.19, the Living Bible says, this is Paul again. He says, but when you follow after your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. It will produce impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, you know, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred, fighting, jealousy, and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. Ouch. And there will be wrong doctrine. That means that when we are like this, we will hear deceptive gospel being preached to us. We open ourselves up to deception. I didn't say that it's in the Bible. So envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, all this sort of things. Let me tell you again, as I've done before, Paul's telling the church, let me tell you again, as I've done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How plain is that? Tough scriptures, right? 
So I'm like, God, I don't want that to be found in me. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be fighting. I don't want to be angry. I want to be happy for someone. When they do something, I, I want to celebrate God. I don't want to be caught in lust. I don't want to be caught in adultery, God. I don't want to be even caught in gluttony. See, I, I put all those things in there and say, God, guard my heart. Forgive me when I've done wrong, God. But I want to do it quickly. As a Christ follower, we are called to live in harmony one with another, and we are called to show the world that we are one in him. How are we loving others, and how are we loving the body of Christ? So biblical unity and what it brings, it attracts the blessing, the anointing, and the favor of God. My reading is from Psalms 133. The scripture teaches, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, for brethren, to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment poured on the head that ran down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, our very first high priest, that came down upon the collar and the skirts of his garment, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded. He has commanded his blessings, beloved, to chase us, even life forevermore upon the high and upon the lowly. The blessing, the Bible says that it is something to take notice of. Behold, like God stops and looks to see how we love each other. You want to capture his eyes, don't you, Josh? I want to capture his gaze. That God stops to behold when we love each other. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. He says that life is better together. This verse in scripture, life is better together when we get along with each other. Unity has always been God's plan for us. It's a blessing. You know, my son had his um, house warming and I hadn't spent time with my cousins in a while, but we got in there and it was like we never skipped a beat. And I thought I left there in tears. I was like, how blessed we are to have our family. How blessed we need to do it more. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, making known to us the mystery, secret of his will, of his plan, of his purpose. And it is this, in accordance with his good pleasure. You mean God has pleasure in this? Yeah, that's what it says. His merciful intention because he loves us and he's merciful to us, which he had previously purposed and set forth in him. The him here is Christ Jesus. So in everything before we were ever made, before the world was ever fashioned, God placed in Christ Jesus this. He planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages. So that means that when heaven comes to earth and God is here with us, that we, right, that for the ages to unify all things, we all come into alignment with each other and that he would head them up and consummate them to Christ. God wants to present us to Christ, and Christ wants to present us to the Father. We cannot have disunity among us, all right, both in heaven and both um, here in things on the earth. So the blessing comes, the anointing of God, the precious ointment here spoken of about Aaron, what it talks about is that this oil is an oil of consecration. It's not to be poured on any random person. God's anointing doesn't come on the ones that, who are not walking with him. That anointing comes on you. It comes on me. It's for those who are consecrated and set apart for good works that he created before we were ever born for us to walk into. There's a plan for us. So it's said on the high priest, did you know that you're a priest before God? Sam talked about that Wednesday night. The Bible calls us priests in the book of Revelation. All that and chapter that we are priests before the Lord's anointed one, holy ones, 
separated and consecrated. So that anointing falls on us, right? Um, in the same sense, we would say that the oil that he poured on Aaron, that Aaron was the one who offered service to God, unto God, and service on behalf of God's people. So a high a priest is an intercessor. Jesus is our ultimate high priest, ever living to make intercession for us. And like he was, so we are called to be. So you mean, Mary, when we live together in unity, that I have an anointing? Absolutely. You got supernatural power that you know not of. It's got to be manifest, guys. I'm telling you, when we come together, you will see people walking. Listen, I have watched people in unity. When I got saved, I watched a man who was born blind receive his eyes. I watched a woman's leg grow out, and she started walking. I've seen, that's why I can't walk away. I got saved and I saw the supernatural, but it was because the first house that God took me to, I was so loved by that church that when I left there, I felt like like a divorce had happened because I knew the Holy Spirit was moving me here. This is my second church in 27 years, the first one I was there, or in 21 years. First one I was there for three years, and I've been here for 21 years. See? It's not back and forth up and down. It's a commitment that I have married myself to you in the spirit. That's what church is. It's a marriage. It's a covenant. That's what we're saying. When we become members here, I'm in covenant with you, Maddie. Yes. Because you all are members here and I'm a member here. I don't take that for granted. I don't take it lightly. Okay. So if someone comes between that, I'm fierce about that. I'm fierce about my church family. All right? I just, I could tell you that story later, but I'm fierce. Pastor had to say, well, you could have said it another way. You know, yeah, because you all are the ones I'm going to eternity with. So I told someone that, you know, that was trying to say something about church people. I said, well, don't talk about my church family. And I said, they're the ones I'm going to eternity with. Pastor Mitch, he did see iron sharpens iron. He said, you could have said, well, I hope that you would go to eternity with me too. See, we cannot be separate. We got to be one. So we want the anointing. We want the blessing. Now it's a favor of God. So do on plants, it refreshes and covers the ground. It forms a protective shield to plants to help aid in hydration. It reduces the stress that can be caused by heat, extreme heat. So it cools down plants and grass that are exposed to extreme heat. It can also help to naturally germinate seeds. This is the morning dew. You know, you get up in the morning, your grass is all wet. Charles Spurgeon said that's because they're giving praise to God. So I love going out there in the morning and just touching. I was like, Lord, my plants are giving you praise, and so are my flowers. See, everything, the whole world gives praise to God. Because God in him and, and through him are all things, Colossians said. Without him, nothing was made that was made, including you and I and including every person that we see. Okay, so that favor of God, that dew, we want that dew on us. So Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in Israel. And from the tallest mountain, it gave water to um, Mount Zion, which was lower than it was. You see, so it has a trickling down effect. We want that. If you have children, if you have people that are following you, you want your blessings to fall on them. Come on now. We got to live like this. So unity will cause the world to look and behold that we are truly ones that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. It will provide the necessary evidence to convince them that there is a God. He shows up when we are united. His power is made manifest amongst us when we unite. 
Don't keep yourself online. If you haven't been to church in a while, come to church. There is strength in the body. There's some that are unable to come because of physical restraints. We understand that we go to them. Once we know, we go to them. But don't keep us out of the loop in what, hap- what happens with your life. You know, so it helps us to achieve more when there's unity. It gives us the favor, the blessing, the anointing of God. It helps us to achieve more. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Um, in the ESV, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Pastor says it all the time. Many hands make light work. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, not one by one. You're not meant to do life alone. You're meant for fellowship with others. Life is better together. You know, Cameron was talking about the small groups. Get involved in the small groups. Pour your life out into other people and see if God doesn't change something in you. He blesses you. So much can be accomplished when we're united. Think about, so I have in here the example from Genesis 11 when they were building the Tower of Babel. You know, have you ever wondered why God said that he wanted to go confound their language because they all spoke the same language and disperse them? I've often wondered that, and when I started digging and I found out, I was like, oh, oh. They were rebellious. And I was like, Lord, why were they rebellious? I had to go back when Noah left the boat. And God says, go spread out in Genesis 6. Spread out, replenish this earth, move around the earth, subdue it. But instead, in Genesis 11, 4, they said, you know what? Or in Genesis 9, God, Genesis 9, God told them to fill the earth. And they began to build for them a city to make a name for themselves so that they would not spread out on the earth. So way back before he said, go spread out. Here we see in chapter 11, verse 4, they said, let's make a name for ourselves so we don't have to spread out. They were being disobedient. But in their disobedience, God said, here's, here's the key. In their disobedience, God said, whatever they put their minds to do, they're going to do. Nothing will be, well, they won't be able to stop. Can you imagine when you're, you know, you're for God and wanting to do things for the kingdom of God and you put yourselves with others who think like that? Imagine what we would accomplish if the church were to do that. Rebellious people, God said that about them. Imagine the people that have the favor, the blessings, and the anointing of God. Come on, somebody. That's good. Okay? We'll move the world. Oh, look and see those men and women who've turned the world upside down. Jesus would be back, y'all. So walking in this causes us to stand. Matthew 24, 25 says, knowing their thoughts. This was Jesus. He said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided will stand. We will not stand if we allow discord, strife, disharmony, disunity amongst us. We will not stand. When trouble comes your way and you're against another believer, trouble's going to sit at your doors. When you walk in unity and God sees that, trouble doesn't, the curse caused less doesn't come. Bad things, it, it just doesn't, guys. It's the Bible, and we want to have the Bible to say, God, this is what your word says. You're in covenant with me. Fulfill this covenant, right? And he'll do it for his name's sake. Because he said it, he'll do it. So in Matthew 16, Jesus tells us that he is the one that builds the church. It's not us. What we work on is keeping ourselves together, okay? It's his responsibility to bring us in. But when we come together, recognize that there is God in you. Recognize that there is God in somebody else and learn to trust the God in people. Then you'll love them. 
despite the differences, you're going to love them. So what hinders unity? Three things that hinders unity. Uh, four. I've got, and I'm going to hurry to close. Um, holding on to unforgiveness. So being offended hinders unity. Okay, so unforgiveness causes disunity. Rehearsing your hurts will snuff out unity in the body of Christ. Everybody doesn't need to know what, you know, um, somebody else has done to you. Don't be the one that sows division. Let God work it out. Let go of being offended at others. Bitterness, holding on to anger and resentment towards those that we think may have treated us unfairly. Somebody doesn't acknowledge you, it's okay, you acknowledge them. Don't return evil for evil, but return good for evil. Okay, don't try to do that. Envy, being jealous of each other. First Corinthians 3, 1 through 4, you know, I'm going to read verse 3. For all, for you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, you know, I like Mira, I don't like Mira, I like Rocky, I like Joshua, I like Pastor Mitch, or I don't like Pastor Mitch, you know, whatever, it's not supposed to be like, this is not found in us. We love everybody because Christ is in them. God's in them. This is why we do this. All right, so we don't want envy and strife. Paul said that if we live like this, we are babies in God. And we are fleshly infants. Okay, so it's time to grow up and eat spiritual food. So God has called each one of us in our uniqueness to be part of the whole. Each one of us with our individual giftings to be part of one body. Okay, it's not the church of the hour. It's one body we're called to. So focusing on self, life is not about you or me. We must consider each other more than ourselves. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Um, If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community with of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put aside, you know, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Okay? We are not called to compare ourselves to each other. We're not called to outdo each other. You know, we are called to work together to be a testimony of Jesus's, his love to each other and to those that are without him. How are we treating each other? How are we treating those who don't know the Lord? Are we an example of God's love? Well, you don't know, Mira, the grief that I go through. It, God does, but he did it for you. He did it for me. We are called to love each other as unto the Lord. All right? So when we divide ourselves from the body of Christ, we open ourselves up to being attacked. We become ineffective and we stymie. We stop the anointing of God from flowing. We risk being attacked by the enemy. We risk losing our witness to those that we are called to be salt and light to. It is said that Sunday morning is the most divided time for believers, right? We are separated from fellow believers because of denominations, because of race, because of politics. We are separated because of culture. This is not what the Lord's called us to, beloved, right? We hop from church to church because our personal needs are not met. If you're at victory, it's not for what victory can do for you. It's what can you do for the body, 
You want to be fed a word that causes you to grow. That's how I knew this was the house for me. Because I walked away and I remembered every single thing Pastor preached on that sermon. And I thought I was fed. And then I looked around the church and I thought, boy, this church needs help. I didn't come in here looking for what this church had to do. I came in here and I said, oh, how, can I, how can I serve? And I served for years, you know, before I felt like I was compelled to be on the staff. <laughs> they put me on the staff and I didn't even know that I had the job. So you see, it's okay. That's what happens. Okay, but I just served because you are my family. And to this I was called. What are you called to? So we don't want to be hopping from church to church because our needs are not met or because pastor said something that we don't agree with. Um, Not only do we leave, we speak rubbish and garbage to others and cause division in the houses of worship around us. When you leave another church, I don't want to know why you left. I might call them to make sure that you talked to the pastor and you did it in honor. I don't need to know. Don't bring that division here because the same way you left there is the same way you're going to enter here. And if you leave here a mess, you're going to go into another house and create a mess too. We want your hearts to be healed. Okay, hear me well. It's healing that the Lord's after. All right? Um, This type of behavior must not be found among us. So we're called to be one, just as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. This pleases our Heavenly Father. This will cause the perishing, those without Christ, to look and see, oh, how they love each other. All right, so that was from John 13, 34 through 35, and 1 John 4, 21. My notes are online as well. So moving forward as I wrap up, what will you do? This is to me as well. What can I do? Let me put it towards me. What can I do to promote unity among the body, among my fellow believers? What can I do? So this is a question every morning. God, help me to love you and help me to love others more. Help me to serve them as I serve you, Father. Place that desire in me and a willingness to do it. How are you a peacemaker when you're aware of differences between others? Do you feed and encourage negative behavior patterns in other people? That's wrong. Or do you say, you know what? God's called you to be at peace. Go make it right. Ask for an opportunity. What do you do when people come to you and do that? Do you feed it? Do you listen to it? Because that's sinful. All right. And three, ask the Lord if there are any divisive ways that you have allowed yourself to participate in, whether in your thought life or in your behavior, if present and if it's still something that you're doing, repent and move forward and be a person that treasures unity. Okay? Thank you all for giving me your ears this morning. If I could just um, ask that you just bow your heads just right where you're seated. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Father, for the blessing and the gift that you have given to me. How precious it is, God, that you have given me these wonderful people to walk in fellowship and do life alongside. Father, I ask for every person under the sound of my voice, Father. I ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you will search our hearts, God. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, on what needs to be different in us, Father. Help us, God. Lord, I sense that there are some things that people are wrestling with in the way of unforgiveness right now in this room. I ask, God, that you just open the windows of um, relationship back up, Father. Give them the ability, Father. Let your blessing, your anointing, your favor be on them, Father. 
to go back into rightly relating with each other, God. Lord, if there's any offense, Father, I pray for anyone that might have been hurt. Father, and hurts are real. Father, I pray that you will begin to put your, your balm, your healing balm on them, Father, and take away any of that, any of that pain, any, any hurts that were caused. God, I just ask that you would just soothe their hearts. And Lord, you came to, to just heal the brokenhearted. Every relationship that we have been rejected from, Father, there's a brokenness that comes. I ask for restoration and reconciliation, Father. Make us ministers of reconciliation, one with another, God. Help us to be peacemakers, Father, that we could truly be called your sons and daughters. And Lord, I just ask for opportunities as we go this week, Father, that we can walk this out, we can flesh it out, God, and that we can be a blessing to people all around, Father. God, I ask that you bless your people, open the windows of heaven's blessings that you've promised on their lives, on their families, God, on all that they have been called to do, God. Give them favor with people, Father, as they have favor with you. And we bless you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.